Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. This format, which I'm calling MarTech Mondays, is brand new. And so let me just give you a little backstory on where it came from. For those of you listening to the podcast, you know that I cover the methods and technologies for driving growth. And the feedback that you've provided around loving to hear from practitioners and marketing leaders around what they're doing is very positive. And you've also said, you know what, Dave, I like learning about and hearing new marketing technologies. You have such access to so many different tools uh, and please keep introducing them and make them available. So I thought what would be really helpful is to really separate those episodes and put them on a certain day of the week and label them as such so that you know that this is an episode where we're going to go a little bit deeper on a piece of marketing technology from one of our partners or a vendor that I've uh, come to learn about. And that's really what we're going to start off with today. So let me give you a quick introduction to Ed King, who's on the program Ed and I met through a third-party contact, a former client of mine who left and went on the consulting side. She was doing some work for Ed's firm, and she reached out to me and said, hey, I'm working with this really cool company that's about to bring a product to market, and I think, Dave, you would be really interested in seeing what Ed and his team are doing. And I'm always up for learning about new tools and technologies, so I made the connection with Ed, and I believe we hooked up at the Marketo Summit several years ago. And Ed sat me down and pulled up his laptop and explained to me what they were working on. And immediately I was hooked. Um, Having gone through the challenges and pains in my career with my team on dealing with data around marketing, it was very obvious to me that a solution needed to come into play that would help with some of the data challenges. So I'm very pleased, we'll go into it deeper in a moment, very pleased to have Ed on the program and talk to you about OpenPrize, the work that they're doing, and uh, we'll we'll talk about, you know, we're going to bring sexy back to data, Ed. That's the goal of today. How are you, sir? David, great to be here, and uh, always good to be uh, first on something new. Well, you know, you and I, have we like to geek out on data, and uh, I think I mentioned to you once, I wrote, you know, I write a lot of stuff. I wrote a blog post a few years ago called The Rise of the Data Scientist. And it is still the most read online piece of content that I've ever written. And it was an eye-opener to me because I obviously struck a chord with the importance of that data expertise being in marketing. And really at that time, and still even today, not very common, as you know. Um, Share the backstory, Ed. I don't think we ever really talked about you know, the painkiller or the why that, that surfaced on what led you to start OpenPrize. So let's start there, and, and we'll talk more about the platform and how people are getting uh, value from it. Sure. So uh, so before I started OpenPrize, I ran marketing at a couple of different startups. Uh, so including OpenPrize, I think this is the fourth time that my team have deployed Salesforce and Marketo. And every time we ran into the same problem. Right. We we start using the platform to capture leads, put up our forms. Uh, we did some basic you know, behavior scoring. And then after a while, essentially anything more fancy we try to do, like personalization and all that, we essentially ran into a wall. The data just wasn't good enough 
to power whatever we our aspirations were. And, and I saw this movie is way too many times. And it seems like all my marketing friends had exactly the same problem. So they, they really weren't getting all that value, all that much value out of a system like Aliqua and mm-hmm. Marketo. So uh, I had my team went out and looked for solutions. Uh, what can we do to get our data to be more empowering, right? And the uh, and all we found were a bunch of expensive middleware, uh, not only you know beyond my budget, and also require a whole bunch of technical skills just to deploy it. So eventually, I just got sick of it and decided, you know what, uh, we need something better. So I built Open Prices, something uh, I wish I had when I was running marketing. For sure, you know, and that's and I think it was those. When you demoed the platform, which when you showed it to me, I think it was in alpha uh, several years ago, it was immediately apparent to me that you were doing two things. One, um, you were alleviating a problem through a different approach. And the problem, uh, you know, we we had built a lot of data washing machines, as we like to call them, in both Marketo and Eloqua, and still do, even in in, uh, Salesforce, uh, Pardot, HubSpot, you know, using tools to do data manipulation. And, and by the way, as you guys are listening to this podcast, stick with us because you're going to learn what this type of tool is going to do for you. And it may not be you that uses the tool, but it certainly could be someone on your team who has the skills and expertise. And I'm going to say they're probably within the marketing operations function. So we're building these washing machines and we're saying, okay, why don't we do some level of enrichment, right? We can build a table of all 50 states and we can take a look and say, you know, if you know, the city equals this, then the state is that. Or if it's if state uh, is there, but, but country is blank, then put the country name in here. And you build these tables, and we built so many data tables. We had a library. I mean, almost considered it IP at DemandGen, that we have made all these different tables for our clients and built these data washing machines in the marketing automation system, mainly. But then you come along, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to do two things. One, I'm going to make a UI that's approachable. You know, what I mean by that is, and I'm not going to say any other vendor names because I don't want to slam anyone because you know what, if you have the chops for, you know, a, a high-end data transformation and ETL tool, great. You you probably worked in IT or you have those experiences somewhere else. But if you've grown up in marketing, you need an interface where you can just you know, get in there and do the work that you want. And that's what immediately uh, appealed to me in that very first demo when I saw, you know what, I could do this. I could I could go in and build some logic flows that says, you know, if this, then that. And what's really cool is that you've built the connectors not only to marketing automation and CRM, but, you know, started even your own data tables and data services for people. So I geeked out on it, as you know, and we became an immediate user of the platform, trying it out and giving you feedback. And you were nice enough uh, to say, hey, David, love your ongoing advice on a go-to-market strategy. It's been fun to work with the team. One thing I don't get, though, and maybe that's because you have a lot more clients to draw upon this answer, is why don't, for the most part, marketers find data sexy, as I I joked about? But it's not a joke. Like, it's just... It's like one of those projects that they just don't necessarily want to focus on. Why is that? Yeah, I think it's actually because of two things. One is actually, it's a scary thing to most marketers. Two is actually, they just don't know how to make make it, uh, uh, you know, make, how to kind of capture and demonstrate success in this area. And let me talk about each one a little bit, right? So, you know, 
data quality and all these data-driven things, there is not a new problem. Fortune 2000 companies had this problem for decades, and big data says, and but you know what? They had an IT department, they had all the developers, they have the big budget to buy middleware, system, hire system integrators to solve this problem. So no, this problem's been solved before, right? This is definitely not a new problem. What is new is that this problem has moved down market, right? So five, 10 years ago, sales and marketing decided, hey, I can just go buy Salesforce, I don't need IT. Then, hey, I can go buy Marketo, I don't need IT, I can manage my own own, own tools. And that was okay when it was just Salesforce and Marketo in your environment. Now, if you look at most people's stack, and it's not unusual we see people's MarTech sales tax stack has 20, 30, even 50 technologies in yep. there. Now, guess what? You got a, you, the, the marketing ops and sales ops folks, they inherited, in some ways they created an integration and the data problem themselves. But they never signed up for this, right? It just kind of slowly evolved. The data swamp kind of got didn't get stinky overnight, but it kind of got stinky over time. And most marketing and sales teams are not ready to deal with this. So for like in a lot of people's head, this is actually a scary problem, which makes it kind of something they don't want, they rather not deal with, and because they just don't know how to approach it. The second problem is that, is that uh, because this is a problem they have not traditionally dealt with, and it's much harder for a marketing ops person, for example, to go to their management, go to their CMO, says, hey, I need to uh, kick off this uh, data project where I need to hire some agency to help me with, I need to buy some technology to make this happen they have a tough time quantifying what exactly is the ROI because in a lot of people's mind, the ROI is one degree removed from the actual end results, right? So how does clean data actually translate into more sales, uh, cost savings and all that? In fact, one of the most popular piece of collateral that uh, uh, from us that gets downloaded uh, most is the, actually how to build a business case for a data project, right? So because people don't know how to uh, measured the ROIs and presented in a favorable light. Uh, so, you know, it's something that if something else that seems that there's another shiny toy, if you will, uh, that, you know, promises better, uh, more revenue and stuff like that in a more direct way, people then just have a tendency to go, okay, fine, uh, let me deal with something I know how to uh, kind of uh, work with better and uh, hopefully, you know, can uh, help me get my next promotion and then and, and make my, give me more visibility yeah. And they just don't know how to do that with data. Whereas, you know, we can talk about the later, uh, the rest of this. You now we have a lot of examples of how people actually have done this successfully and have a tremendous ROIs and value. But most people just don't know how to do that. Well, you bring up a good point that I want to put the spotlight on again, which is we kind of didn't see this coming, right? We bought a marketing automation system. We put landing pages and forms on our websites. We started uploading lists that contain different columns and rows of information, and we're aggregating all this data together to do in the very early stages, right? Um, primarily email marketing and website marketing. And then, holy cow, all of a sudden we've got other tool sets that are plugging into these platforms, whether that's your CRM 
or the marketing automation system. And then the topics of personas show up and topics of lead scoring and account scoring and lead to account matching. And the dependency on data and fields really starts to hit exponential impact. And yet we don't have the tools to deal with it, right? So we start coding up always on programs in our marketing automation system to address some of this. And it turns out that those systems are not really purpose-built for you know, always on data transformation, manipulation, and enrichment programs. They're just, they weren't natively built for that kind of horsepower. And so, like you said, like we, we got ourselves into this situation where we are so data dependent and that we needed greater tools uh, to do that. And I definitely want you to give more and more examples. I loved a couple months ago as we were approaching uh, what I call doomsday with GDPR, right? And then you and I had a great conversation, which is, couldn't we build some logic flows to identify European citizens within our database and tag those in a way for, for folks who didn't capture? So we got, I think that's a big part of it, Ed, is that the recipes for dealing with data are still being figured out. You know, what lists should you activate and do always on uh, normalization? What uh, programs should you configure that are doing always on enrichment and and you know, putting those into place. And as more and more data operations uh, managers, maybe maybe that's a title we're going to see if we're not seeing it already. Maybe, maybe there is a data operations manager within marketing operations. As we see the rise of that function, they're going to have these recipes. And those people are going to be just indispensably valuable uh, within uh, a marketing team. So take us take us through that because you, you deal with this all the time. What are some of those kind of table stakes recipes that we should be dealing with data. And by the way, if you haven't seen Open Prize and you want to after this podcast, Ed and his team will be happy to give you a demo. And there's certainly more information on their site, which is openprizetech.com. So you got to see some of this stuff for it really to make sense. But if you could just, you know, on the podcast, Ed, just kind of outline visually as you can articulate some of those programs that, that you can do. Yeah, so let me quickly touch on some of the kind of more common things people start with, right? And then I really want to focus on, you know, kind of tie back to what we just talked about is what what are the some of the common areas people are more uh, readily able to demonstrate ROI and present ROI? Uh, so it's easier to get uh, justification and approval to get these data projects started, right? Because once you get started, then be able to um, properly measure and report on the results. You know, it, once people got a, kind of got a taste of what clean data uh, can get them, then they're, they're hooked. So it's critical just how do you uh, effectively be able to get going. So so, so uh, I want to focus on that a little bit and share some stories as well. So yeah, so typically, you know, when, when you when you when you want to get started, you, there's some of the fairly standard recipes we have in our platform includes the basic stuff like just cleansing, uh, standardization. So for example, making sure that, that you can fix the common email typos, right? If somebody has an email ends up ends with dot C O N that email will never go out. And that's a pretty simple fix. There's a lot of this, these fat finger mistakes you have, for example, that we can easily correct. Yep. Uh, another simple one, uh, people putting uh, names in all capitalization, right? The last thing you want to do is send an email out with all caps and you're, hi, Ed, you know, why are you yelling <laughs> at me in my email, right? So you don't want to do that. So all, those are simple fixes that, that we can do. And then you want to make sure you do all your standardization, right? So the stays, 
countries, even lease source. You want to make sure those are all standardized. And then you can start looking into enrichment. So all these are different kind of basic hygiene stuff we help with do. Then you can get into more advanced stuff like segmentation, lead to account matching. And you really want to get geeked out for all your Marketo folks out there. Uh, be able to systematically uh, uh, detect, for example, bot clicks. Right. So when a firewall clicks on the link in your email and screw up all your uh, email metrics and uh, and screw and, and you score somebody five thousand points and MQL them because you know they click on everything you you send them, we can even detect that. So those are we have recipe for that as well. So you can have a good progression of starting with the basic hygiene, getting to the more advanced segmentation, uh, kind of routing type of cases, attribution, scoring. Then you can get into kind of the really really geeky stuff. Uh, you know, as you go further into the kind of your data journey, if you will. Cool. I promise we were going to geek out when you're talking about backclick identification and rescoring. That's that's for sure geeking out. But you, it's things that you can do. And I think what people should really understand with these tool sets, it's always on. So like you said, out of the box, you guys have a bunch of different normalization and, and helpful uh, utilities to get someone started. They almost serve like, you know, I remember from my coding days, right? When you when you cracked open a copy of, of, you know, some new programming language, there was always good code samples that you could look at and take apart and say, okay, you know, here's something I'm going to build based on that. And so these recipes that you share just really spark ideas for what you can do in, in your data. But they're always on. They're always running. You guys have connectors, um, some of the key ones, Marketo, Salesforce, Pardot, uh, Eloqua Dynamics, I think, was a new announcement that you guys just made this this past week. That's right. But you've got other other capabilities as well on the enrichment side, right? You you introduced uh, almost data as a service so that you can do enrichment. Talk a little bit about that because you know the first thing you're dealing right with an with OpenPrize as a tool is dealing with your data and how you want to clean it up and add hygiene normalization. But now you guys are letting people do enrichment through um, access to these these data lakes exactly and, and in the in the, on the enrichment side right there's a lot of wonderful choices out there in fact there's kind of an explosion of the you know the different more uh, data providers in the last two years <clears throat> which is wonderful yep more choice is always better uh, if you like this uh, Scott Brinker <laughs> super graphics but you know it also creates a lot of confusion right these days it's hard to know which provider has the best best data for you and, and the truth is that because everybody's business is different there is no one single data provider out there that's good for everybody so and and for, to get what you need you really increasingly we're seeing people using multiple uh, providers in fact i would say the average a number of providers our customers use is three plus in fact right now we have one uh, customer using seven another one that's about to launch a new enrichment program that's using eight different service providers to build that kind of golden record that they need to make make sure they have the coverage across geography across market segments across industries uh, so they you know they, they get the data they want people start to understand that Yes, multi-sourcing data can be a little bit more expensive, but really it's the opportunity cost, right? Once you learn how to justify uh, why these things is worth them, the cost they are, then you know if you go with a poor data source, that a data vendor that maybe just you know, I mean, I won't name names, but there's some data vendors out there. And when I ask the customers why do you use them, the only only answer is that they're cheap, right? But I then ask them how do you like the data, it's usually meh. Right. So now then you start thinking, sure, you save you save a couple of pennies on, on, on the data. But if that data is not good enough to help you 
get more revenue, get better conversion, and make your sales team more productive, then the opportunity cost is really uh, is really the, the thing that you're missing. And people start to realize this and start to understand that, yes, multi-sourcing as one way to really improve their data quality is, uh, you know, once they understand how to sell this to their management, they're like, hey, wait a minute, I can justify this and I can just do much more by spending a little more on the enrichment side. Yeah. You know, the, go- the goal is to have really pristine data, right? And, and not um, have your marketing automation system or your CRM uh, feel like uh, it's an episode of Hoarders where you're keeping everything. In fact, because most of the vendors charge on contact records, uh, tools like OpenPrize can help you eliminate duplicates and bad records, invalid records, uh, you know, since, you know, all of that just clogs up your database. Those are those are benefits. We've we've experienced um, better segmentation. You know, right? We're doing a better job of, of segmenting our database and um, operationalizing personas using the tool. Certainly can help on the analytics side. Um, you guys have a number of different clients I know that are using it for for in ways that we haven't even tried yet. Uh, for example, around segmentation and routing. Maybe you can talk about that. Yeah, so so that's a great segment. Let's just start talking about maybe some of the ways we've seen people being successful in try in, in uh, essentially justify and you know the ROI on the project and be able to get things moving within their organization, right? And the first thing you mentioned was the actually the uh, the cost associated with the marketing automation platform. Yep. Uh, a great example of this is actually corporate registry. Uh, so they sell stem cell banking uh, to uh, to pregnant folks and and one of our customers. And they have a very interesting uh, scenario where uh, because they're selling to them folks, uh, their lead has a limited lifetime, nine months max, right? For yeah, the moment, it li- literally cord blood registry, right? I mean, that's that's their cycle. You miss that window and you miss the window. <laughs> they're, they're, you're going to have to wait for another baby. Anyway, let me right. let you keep going. That's right. Once the baby's out, the lead expires, right? Yeah. And, and depends on when you got that lead, you have no more than nine months. So now, as a result of that, there's a lot of data uh, being onboarded constantly. We handle all that for them, uh, fully automated. And, you know, and then there's a lot of OLEs that you no longer can and wish to market to, right? And historically, uh, before they, uh, they installed technology, they kept all that in Marketo. Uh, basically, you got a lot of dead weight sitting in your marketing automation that you're paying for, but you couldn't really do anything with it. So we moved uh, a lot of those uh, records off into, uh, into our system. Uh, so we become the archiving platform. And since we're handling all the onboarding, with a second, third pregnancy comes through, we can compare it to the historical database and being able to detect, hey, this is a new pregnancy, so let's append all the old data to the new data, and then we create a new record in Marketo. So that enabled them to, for example, re- they start off, if I remember me correctly, they start off with 8 million leads in their Marketo database, was able to remove up to about 3 million just in the phase one of the project, and that savings alone uh, pay for the entire data project. Right. Wow. So that's a case where, uh, you know, it's a very simple, obvious ROI. And I know I've been talking to a lot of customers right now where uh, their marketing automation vendors kind of uh, sitting on top of them uh, t- asking, hey, you're, you're, you're going over your quota. You need to pay more. We have one customer literally just got a hundred thousand dollar bill 
right, saying that they've been over their limit for too long. So no, if you have that problem, this can be a very simple way to justify uh, getting a data platform and data project going to help you kind of keep your database pristine, keep the record count, so you don't have a bunch of dupes in there, you don't have a bunch of old data you don't know what to do with. You know, you may not want to throw them away yet because you may they still be valuable, but you know, be able to move them to a different platform can save you quite a bit of money. So that that would be the one of the I would say the most uh, kind of easy to relate type of type of ROI justification, right? So I don't know, David. I don't know if you want to add something to this before I jump on to something else. No, you can go to the next one. I think as people are thinking through um, the tools, one of the things they're going to think about is you know, do I need someone on my team? Um, to do this and operate the system and that that you need someone on the team but it doesn't have to be an internal resource i mean one of the uh, reasons that that ed and i talk so frequently is that we have a lot of mutual customers that we are helping them with the configuration and doing this the nice thing about an open prize is that once the programs are configured they just run like they're they're running in the background and they do that and it's not really until i'm not suggesting you set it and forget it meaning like keep using the tool to add more and more programs, but you can outsource the configuration and, and systems uh, to an agency like mine, to folks, um, or have your internal resources uh, do it. And the pricing for the platform, certainly uh, the way that you guys have approached it, makes it makes it approachable and affordable for, uh, you know, it's not the, the big, gigantic, uh, expensive um, tools. The other thing about, you know, the connections, do you have an example where, you know, you're focused around like scaling marketing operations, right? Companies that want, really want to scale uh, faster and and address that. Would love to know if you've got one in 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 that category. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, actually, well, we recently did a round of a customer testimony videos, and, and it was interesting that the number one thing that came up most frequently uh, when you talk to the the more senior folks on the team is all about scaling the business. Right. Uh, these marketing dimension folks got some you know, big, hairy, audacious goal that management said, well, right, we're going to triple our revenue this year. How in the world are we going to do that yeah. operationally? Right. That means I got to grow my database by so much. That means I, I'm going to double the number of my sales reps. There's just all kind of operational pain that comes along with that. And guess what? If all you're doing is manual routing, manual cleansing, there's no way you are ever going to set, hit those goals. Because kind of tie back to what you just said as well is that, you know, it's, it's anybody who try to hire, for example, like a Marketo, I mean, these days, you know how difficult that is. Now, try to hire somebody with a strong data background. That's even harder. Right. And, and, and so that's also why uh, where a vendor and a good agency that has a lot of good practice and recipe around this can really help you get get get, get going. But but going back to the scaling example, right, because you can't you have limited resources that you and, and you have to do all these automation to, to help you scale. One great example is one of customer of ours, uh, you know, they are uh, they recently IPO about I think three years ago now. They're about six billion dollar company. They're still uh, I think they're still almost doubling their business every year. So just on an awesome growth curve. And, and, you know, on the, in, on the routing side, for example, uh, they were using a combination of technologies, both third-party technology as well as their uh, own Salesforce rules to route the various type of things they have. So, for example, lease was, uh, lead routing was done using a commercial tool, and the, the account assignment was done using their own Salesforce rules and some Ajax, uh, Apex code, and uh, custom, uh, uh, channel registration was completely done manual because it's a custom Salesforce object, right? Mm-hmm. 
Because it grows so fast, sales are sales is changing constantly. So their their lead routing uh, success rate was literally less than fifty percent, right? And and was two, mainly because two issues. One was actually data quality. So I'll give you an easy example here. Uh, the California is a big state, so California commercial accounts are routed by zip code, SoCal and NorCal, right? Now if they often would have a lead comes in with city and state but no zip code. That gets routed to, to a manual queue, so some SDR has to come around and look at that record, fill in, uh, look up the city and state zip code, put it in, and manually route it to the right rep, right? And by the time that happens, it can be three days later. So they had a lot, a lot of data hygiene issues that prevent the leads from being routed properly, even with the two they had. Another thing was just they were perpetually one to three months behind in their routing logic because sales is changing so fast, growing so fast, that every request that comes in, like changing holdout accounts, remapping territories, or another sales guy come in, they got redivided territory, they have to file a ticket with IT, the Salesforce team has to go make changes to Salesforce and the two they have, and they got to do all the testing, and, and because everything's native in Salesforce, testing has to do it in sandbox. Very painful process. Takes typically anywhere at least 30 days to get any of these tickets to be to be filled and have the changes made. So their routing logics are perpetually at least 30 days behind what reality is. And this is a great example of you just can't scale your business uh, when your system can't keep up. So what they did with us, we implemented two things for them. One is that we put in a data hygiene uh, program. So not only we were able to, for example, in, in the example I gave before, that we can fill in the missing zip codes and being able to now allow that lead to be routed. So we also help them standardize a lot of different things. Another example is that for the German leads, for some reason, uh, they get the way they get the German leads, they have postal code, they have city, but they don't get state. But their entire routing route is based on state. So we have to fill in the blanks for them. Right now, so that was the first part. Make sure data is good enough to route. Now, for the second part, is that we actually changed their uh, entire routing model. So instead of going with complicated configuration Salesforce rules uh, that requires a PhD to debug, that we basically put their all, all their routing rules in a in a Google Sheet. So the sales ops team basically just maintains the Google Sheet with all the routing logic, and now there anytime things change. All they have to do is go in and change a couple of roles in the, in the Google Sheet, and the entire routing logic is updated constantly by us by reading from that Google Sheet. And, and so this is one example of what actually happened is that uh, about six months ago, they created an entire new top-level region called America North, which basically stole a couple of states from America East and America mm -hmm. West, put into a new, brand new territory. That change took a total of 15 minutes. Okay, and was completely done by the sales ops team. No IT tickets, wow. nothing involved. Right, and that is how you scale. Yeah, and most of these companies, when they have to grow, double, or triple their revenue, uh, you know, and this is a, this is the type of performance you need. And for when you talk to a VP of marketing ops and dimension and sales ops, that is priceless. Awesome. I want to give an example before we wrap up of something we did that like I never even would have thought of Open Prize as a, a painkiller for this. So we launched a Marketo assessment and Eloqua assessment, marketoassessment.com and eloquaassessment.com. And so we 
built the assessment using a platform called Typeform, which is a really cool uh, survey tool. It's kind of next evolution of SurveyMonkey, if you will. Really nice UI for building online forms. And we needed to send that data that we capture into our marketing automation system. And before we did that, we needed to send it into our assessment platform that we built, which generates the output document for the people who take the assessment. And by the way, if you have either one of those platforms, go check out marketoassessment.com and eloquassessment.com. So what we struggled with is we didn't know how to get the data from Typeform to our marketing automation system. And right literally as I was boarding the plane, I don't know, Ed, why it happened there, but I'm boarding the plane to going on vacation uh, in the UK. I think I bet Ed has a connector to Google Docs, and I bet he's got a connect. I know he's got a connector into our marketing automation system. So I called up my team and I said, hey, would you go look and see if we can do it through OpenPrize. And sure enough, as you know, we, we pulled it off. So, you know, Typeform outputs into Google Docs, and so it's creating rows with anyone who takes the assessment, and then you guys are grabbing that information at an interval and then pulling that data and putting it into the marketing automation system. And, you know, I never would have thought initially of, you know, doing something like that, but the fact that you've got integrations into Box and Dropbox and the G Suite, and that you've got, you know, even all the connections into the data service providers, you become this bit of a data Swiss army knife. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we got some time to, to talk about it. Thank you for being the first one, Ed, on MarTech Mondays. I mean, people are going to listen to this different days of the week, but you get the idea. And um, I hope, I hope uh, some people come and, and check it out. And I hope all of you listening to the program appreciate bringing a spotlight onto various different marketing technology tools. I want to say again, nobody pays to be on Demand Gen Radio. The practitioners and MarTech companies that I have on here are tools that I think are worth exploring. Are they right for your business? That's going to be up to you. Certainly, we can help figure that out. But I just want to expose you because there are thousands and thousands of tools out there. And I just want to make sure that I spotlight some of the ones that I'm very familiar with or um, ones that our customers are using. So I hope you enjoy the program. Ed, anything that uh, we didn't hit on before we wrap up? And thanks again for joining. No, I think uh, that was a great chat. I always enjoy geeking out with you, and uh, you know, thanks for the invite to be part of this. Absolutely. Well, thanks for kicking off our inaugural episode. I have a little parting gift for you, Ed, that you may want to take me up on someday. Uh, your domain, right, is openpricetech.com. You know yes. what I've got for you when you're ready? Okay. You ready? Yes. Dataorchestrationplatform.com. So Ooh. there you go. You know, I, I like to squat domains. You know, when I see stuff happening out there in the world, I'm like, you know what? We might need that. That's where Demand Gen came from. Who knew back in 2002, 2003, you know, that this would be, if I had a nickel, as I'd like to say, but um, our domain, our company, and uh, I've got a bunch of others. So that one's there for you when you're ready, sir. And thanks, Ed. Give my best to the team. Look forward to seeing you at Dreamforce, which is coming up. And um, again, new, new tools and technologies there. And I hope to uh, continue to highlight those for you folks on MarTech Mondays. That'll do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.